to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. A little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast and their faces on Twitch. <laughs> I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. We're uh, doing a little bit more live stream lately, and we decided to do that this time on Twitch rather than Instagram. It's hard to pick which evil corporation we want to create free content for, but uh, uh, we're switching it up, and we're trying to do this Twitch thing more often. But if you're interested in watching us play a Star Trek video game or something like that, we do that on our Twitch channel sometimes. But this is the beginning of an episode. This is a Marin. You're in a Marin right now, whether you're watching or just listening. We've been doing video Greatest Gen for years. Only no one's been able to watch. (laughs) A couple people have been watching. Yeah, that's true. This time, it's for real. Yeah. We have a big pile of mail here um, that's still from the last time I went to the post office box. So I hadn't gone in a long time, and we just had so much mail. So this is a, another round of mail. Do you want to get into the mailbag, Adam? Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Hey, look at this. I actually thought ahead about today's episode. I put tape over identifying information on the mail, so if I hold up letters, I'm not, like, putting people on blast this time. Good job by you. Yeah. Wow. This uh, this first uh, letter here is from Miss Bree Belke. Oh, wow. Uh, Bree is one of our best friends of DeSoto. I think she had something in the last mailbag episode, too. Happy five-year anniversary! Congratulations! I found you all after a couple of episodes only by complete chance and before the media coverage. I'm so happy I did, Bree. Well, we're sure happy you did too, Bree. That's amazing. I don't know if I ever heard Bree's origin story with the show. Yeah, I don't think I have either. You know what? I'm positive we heard it on one drunken night in Vegas during Star <laughs> Trek Las Vegas when we had that hang. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, so much of that night is a blur. Yeah. I remember winning a, a William Shatner penned autobiography. Yes. And then doing everything I could to just leave it places. I did not want that book. <laughs> Uh, that's fun. I Here. think I ended up throwing it off of the stratosphere. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not talking shit about Shatner or his book in saying that. I just didn't want to carry something around Las Vegas while <laughs> I had a giant hoof drink in one hand. I yeah. don't want to carry a book in the other hand. Yeah, that's too complicated. You're going to get sticky hoof juice all over that book. And then you're going to have to be the guy that explains why your Shatner book is sticky. Don't want to explain that. (laughs) Uh, Next letter we have here, no return address, Adam. So whoever sent this did not want it back under any circumstances. Like most people who sent us things. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like a hand-done Starfleet logo. Oh, that's nice. Like a hand-stamped logo here says, Dear Ben and Adam, I live in an incredibly remote area in eastern Canada. 
When I first got there, I took a walk every day with my dog. Most of those walks, I was listening to you goofs, staring at an ocean on a 30-foot cliff while I'm listening to you make jokes about Bashir drinking piss. It's a hell of a combination. Thank you for keeping me company, M. The sign-off M is the only identifying information in this in this letter, but thank you, M. That's a really lovely note. I love the idea that our silly show was being consumed in such a remote and majestic location. I've only ever thought that people enjoy our show in secret yeah, and alone, <laughs> but I guess I never considered that uh, secret and alone could be in a beautiful place. I always think of it as in a parked car at the end <laughs> of a dark alley. Yeah, it's that a- last stall in the men's room. Maybe it's a car put into neutral and is slowly crawling down a hill toward a cliff. (laughs) Next one we've got here is actually a two-parter. This is from the Lancaster household of Lincoln Park, New Jersey. And uh, we've got two letters here that uh, there's like a one of two and a two of two. You've clearly pre-taped the addresses, but you've not pre-screened any of this, right? No, I, I have not opened. We've shared the Tilly rule with our friends of DeSoto, right? They're aware that anything that they've sent us that is bad gets automatically sent to Bill Tilly. Yeah. He's like our bulletproof vest <laughs> on this show. Yeah. Okay, we've got a card here that looks like it's like a piece of fabric it looks like one of those stick cards that you get at uh, yeah. a nice card store uh here we go hi ben and adam longtime viewer first time writer uh these cards yes the one in envelope two which you should have gotten before getting this both contain a woven sample it came from a yardage i wove a long piece of cloth uh, for the prompt yet red yellow blue The plastic in it is actually VHS tape that I recycled. I have sent two so that both Ben and Adam could have a sample each. I'm very proud of my Star Trek woven samples. Also included are two Ankylosaur stickers I happened upon seeing during my quest for stationery. Everything else I own that's Star Trek related will be mine forever. I don't share. Love the podcast. Keep being you. Shout out from the Red Squad slash Borg Cruise Collective, i.e. those of us who have been on every Star Trek going the cruise. Hope to see everyone safe and healthy in 2022. You two should 1,701% join us and do a live podcast one night. Live long and prosper. Mordecai. Wow. Cool. That was an idea that we hatched a long time ago, the idea of the pirate cruise. Yeah. Like, actually going to Star Trek colon the cruise, and then doing a show there without anyone knowing about it. Yeah. I mean, like, aside from the friends cabin. of DeSoto who are in the know. Right. Yeah. Right. This this fabric is really cool. I think you could, like, take it out of the stationery if you wanted. There's a little pocket to get in there at it. Oh, about that? I wonder if there's more notes on the second letter. This fabric is super cool, Mordecai. The, the copy inside this uh, letter says, Y'all better have opened envelope one first, or you'll have dishonored TSA Agent Kern. Mm, uh, I love TSA Agent Kern. I do too. So there are two, which means one for me and one for you. Yeah, and uh, you actually uh, brought your doggy and your lovely wife over to the house this weekend to... Uh, 
have a little socially distanced backyard visit, and I had yeah, a pile. First time I'd seen you in months. I had a pile of duplicates and gifts that the friends of DeSoto had set in on a card table in uh, in my garage, so that it would be like right where we would walk past it when you came in and went out, and I would remember to give it to you. And my wife saw it and thought it was a mess and took it upon herself to put everything away and fold up the card table. <laughs> so that's I, great. I totally forgot to give all that stuff to you. So uh, the, the pile grows. You quote unquote forgot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing is, uh, you need to give that stuff to me when my wife is not around. Oh, yeah. I think we that could, would be ideal. We, this uh, was sent in to us by Cowabunga Company. Cowabunga Co. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. A gift for you. I'm glad Ben made an educational moment of the fancy tip and strip pen. We just need the Klingon version. <laughs> Keep up greatest gen and disco awesomeness from Brie Belke. Another Brie Belke. <laughs> I hope Brie is watching. <laughs> I really, I, I do too. We dedicate this Marin to her. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to hold this up to the camera in a way that uh, demonstrates the majesty of this all-male review tip and strip pen. I, I hope we okay. have the, uh, <laughs> tip the it. explicit content warning on our Twitch because uh, that gentleman just hung dong. Wow. Really unimpressive. <laughs> At least on the Twitch. Yeah, I would have gone with an erection if I was having my picture taken for a tip and strip pen. I would have made the entire pen a dick. <laughs> Why wouldn't that be how you do the tip and strip? What would the dick be wearing to strip away, though? I guess it would just be a, a tip and tip. It wouldn't be a tip and strip at all. Let's see if this pen also writes. Hey, it works. That's great. Thank you, Brie. Wow. It's for writing and titillation. This will be a, a prized possession. Okay. Still working our way through here. Next thing we've got is from Dana O in Portland, Oregon. And it's a do not bend, it says. Ben, uh, we have 20 times as many viewers on our Twitch stream now <laughs> than we did come to our very first live show in Seattle. That's our metric for Twitch. <laughs> going forward our success metric yeah uh, yeah rob really Doing wants great. us to uh what is it make partner does it is twitch just a law firm are we in a law firm now i don't understand how twitch works and here's a secret i don't think rob knows either <laughs> <laughs> rob is like trolling us just... it feels like a multi-level marketing thing rob really wants us to join twitch but he's not really clear about what the benefits are to us <laughs> You want to work with your friends and coworkers? Why do I have all this Twitch in, in my storage space, Robs? <laughs> Answer me that. Uh, this is a uh, a little note from Dana. Thank you for all the pod. Can't wait for the next voyage. So this is probably sent right before Voyager. Dana has uh, two Instagram accounts. It looks like at Double by Design and at Ten Forward to you and the two is the number two and uh, the artwork that dana has sent is uh really gorgeous a couple of jazz horses i'm trying to like Whoa. figure out how to line it up for the camera here i just went to double by designs instagram feed and i'm seeing a lot of artwork here that looks pretty awesome and i love the jazz horse stuff yeah very like Picasso, that's really cool uh yeah cubism very like 
Melty watch on a bridge. <laughs> I was going to say Guernica, but uh, uh, melty watch on a bridge is, uh, is a perfectly valid assessment of what was Everyone happening Everyone knows the masterpiece, melty watch on a bridge. <laughs> There's a, uh, another package sent to us by somebody that did not include any uh, return address. I totally understand that decision. Uh, I wouldn't want us to know where you live either. Um, I'm opening. Looks like we've got a letter. Adam and Ben. I hope you enjoyed the holidays and had a happy new year. I am a big fan of the pods and have had the pleasure of seeing you on tour. Enclosed is a, quote, limited edition Reg Barkley from Voyager. Whoa, spoiler alert, Adam. <laughs> I hope he fits into one of your collections. Hoping to see you on tour in the future. Your friend and FOD, Matthew B. Barkley belongs on a ship full of lonely people. <laughs> I'm Man. excited for that day. Look at him. I always wonder how they choose the single color plastic that they decide to make all the, all the uh, accessories out of. Yeah. And also, why did they decide to have there be, like, an inch and a half of fake phaser beam coming off of the phaser? Like, oh, yeah. You want to be hanging beam. <laughs> that drove me absolutely mental as a kid. I was like, this looks bad. It doesn't yeah. look like a phaser beam. They don't spread out. They're a different color than the Dustbuster itself. As soon as I open that thing up, I'm clipping the beam off with some nail clippers. Yeah, and getting one of those, like, silver paint pens from your mom's... Uh, you know, crafting drawer and, and fixing the dustbuster. Right. This is our last thing, big box. Whoa, look at the size of that thing. Mm-hmm. That's okay. the first time anybody's ever said that to me, Adam. Okay. Got a, uh, got a letter here. Hi there, Ben and Adam. In a round of COVID quarantine-induced desperation for novelty, I recently bid on and won several virtual auctions for some old props and production paraphernalia from some of my favorite TV shows, including Star Trek The Next Generation. One item I did not remember bidding on, but definitely won, I felt really belonged with you two more than me. Please enjoy the enclosed Nebula-class sensor pod variant used in the production of TNG, or as you might better know it, the junk from the trunk of a Del Sol-class starship. Big Shut fan of your shows. Up. Keep up with the great pod, Matt from Redmond. P.S. Adam, which Seattle-based pancake mix were you pining for? Was it the Snoqualmie Falls Lodge? Because that stuff's great. I tried to perfect yeah. my own pancake mix for years, and I never came close. Yeah, Benjamin R. Harrison is a giant hater uh, <laughs> of the idea of buying pancake mix because Ben makes everything from scratch in his household. I, am not a, I, I saw a pancake mix that I thought might be the one you were talking about, and I and I was going to buy it, and I texted you to ask Yeah, if you I texted me. You were, you were like, hey, is this the lazy man's pancake mix that you mentioned earlier? Um, that was it. Wow. Uh, Snoqualmie Falls Pancake Mix is the pancake mix, by the way. Seems like this is the final episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, ben and Adam are officially fighting again. Fighting about pancake mix, the greatest gen story. <laughs> I never thought that this would be the thing that would take us down. Yeah. Okay, so what we've got here is a big um, bubble-wrapped device. Yeah. This yeah, must you gotta be... keep that thing safe. 
This must be the authentication papers. Wow, look at that. You leave that thing out on a banquet table as I'm leaving a barbecue at your place, Ben. You better believe I'm going to take it with me. <laughs> I know. Wow. This, I'm wondering if this is something that'll be rugged enough to come with us on tour and like be on the table in front of us. We've had a pretty good hit rate on the Horgons yeah. and not breaking those. We did break one, I think, but it was able to be glued back together. But this is like a, this is a one-of-a-kind thing. Like, we have ten Horgons, you know. I'm, like, really nervous about opening this because it's... Because you're notoriously accident-prone? <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. This is why you do it on video. Yeah, this Holy is cool. shit. Wow. That is big. It is really big, and... It's a little bit damaged. It's got a little chip out of the corner there. That's probably like from when they took it off of mm-hmm. the Del Sol when they were... Yeah. <laughs> Use a little crowbar. It looks great. Wow. It's all one color, which I'm, I find a little bit surprising. And it's like a, a darker gray than I think of them as being on the show. But I also know that they shoot those models with like extremely bright lights. Right. So, so they might... Uh, that would be the reason. They might paint it darker to get the effect that they want. But man, this looks so neat. Well, I look forward to seeing that hanging off the back of your car like a spoiler. It would make like a good like hood ornament, right? Like <laughs> like right on the front there? Yeah. It, it's very sporty. That'd be great. God, this is so cool. And... I have a feeling like that was not inexpensive to bid on and win. I know. We've also we, so I really like I wanna I wanna thank this person for their generosity. Matt, Matt and Redmond, thank you so much, Matt. Um Matt and Redmond. And geez. thanks to everyone that sent stuff in. I mean this stuff is all so great and yeah. um really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for sending Ben all this stuff, everyone. <laughs> Adam, it was years and years that you were the, the mail opener for the show. And, uh, it's true. Now that we have a pandemic, it's I that is the mail opener. So uh, It's only fair. Count your blessings, buddy. <laughs> what comes around goes around. That's the greatest gen promise. <laughs> That's like rule 18 of greatest gen. That's the Uxbridge Shimoda promise is what it is. <laughs> Um, well, Adam, uh, this uh, this has been a really fun Marin and a, I assume, fun Twitch live stream. I don't really know if it's working or not. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> the first <laughs> assumption is fair. Yeah, but uh, thanks to anybody that tuned in on the live stream. And if you're listening to this on tape and wish you'd gotten to see this stuff, all you got to do is head over to twitch.com slash greatest trek. Right. Adam, we got an episode, though, that we got to uh, talk about today, and we're going to set that up before we shut this stream down. What do you say we get into Season 1, Episode 7 of Star Trek Voyager, ex post facto? See you there. Revert course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) This is an episode that we have landed on a special square for. And uh, I want to make sure that you did your homework this time. I again reminded you to do your homework and forgot to do my own. I uh, I knew that we had the stream coming up. Fucking serious? <laughs> I I was so worried about making it go correctly that uh, is the game the new veto. Like, is this the scandal? We're gonna well, land on squares and you're just not gonna do the thing like unless ben it involves always drinking. Forgets. <laughs> it seems like all Ben wants to do is drink. 
it's gonna be that i forget to like buy beer for a mornhammer too like i'm gonna forget well if you did that you're gonna be drinking liquor I'll tell you that <laughs> you're not weaseling your way out of a mornhammer dip uh but, but i'm not the, drinking alone adam I'm the, I'm the kind of student that uh is okay failing to study for the test and then doing a passable job on it anyways so i'm gonna try I'm going to try to uh, to draw on my encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek to give you some some deep facts about this episode. This is an nth degree episode, which requires extensive research from both hosts. Uh, I, of course, have done the research. Ben will be bullshitting all of us <laughs> as the episode goes on. Do you know what ex post facto means i do ex post facto is uh is a principle in the law where if you pass a law you can't then convict somebody for breaking it when they broke it before the law was in place right it's it's like if they make podcasting a crime Uh next year hey we wouldn't be guilty if podcasting is outlawed then only outlaws will have podcasts man yeah I'd like to see them lock me up for this shit. <laughs> They'll take my podcast out of my cold, dead iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of uh, the 14 Star Trek episodes with a Latin title. 14. That seems low. Fucking nerds. Yeah, I would have... Honestly, I would have set the over-under at like 26. I would have set it at 47, which is a significant number in Star Trek. Ugh. this is gonna be that episode huh i didn't do my homework i gotta make up for it somehow (laughs) uh we start with black and white footage uh it starts on a pair of like ballet flats and pans up to a scruffy little pup and um this is like a pov shot of somebody's experience of walking in on finding tom paris smooching with a lovely young woman yeah, they're they're getting hot and heavy. Is this the first time we've actually seen him smooching with somebody? Yeah, you know, for all the talk about uh, Tom Paris, great stick man. Yeah, I think this might be the only time we've seen him in a lurid embrace. <laughs> ben, did you know this is the first time that black and white film stock was ever used in a Star Trek episode? Wow, they shot this on black and white stock. That's they did an interesting choice, right? I have a friend who shot his student film on on black and white well your friend wanted to be seen as an artist well he he was making a marx brothers style film he was making fuck soup (laughs) yes that's what it was called it was a porn parody Uh, famous marx brothers film could you fucking imagine that has to be a thing right like, there's mm-hmm. the law that everything has been turned into porn, including mm-hmm. Marx Brothers movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, instead of a Marx Brother uh, cutting off your tie with a yeah. giant pair of scissors, you just get cut. <laughs> I think I think Harpo's replacing his giant pair of scissors with a giant dildo, and he's walking around getting into all kinds of hijinks. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm never going to yuck anyone's yum, but if uh, if what you're into is Marx Brothers porn, stay away from me. I welcome you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? Well, this is kind of more of a snuff video, Adam, because mm. this POV ends up with Tom Paris plunging a knife into the belly of the of the person uh, who walks in on him and this lady. And we're kind of getting this footage intercut with 
ECUs of Tom Paris, and and there's some kind of you know hushed voices talking about like whether this is working and whether he's seeing it correctly and all that. And yeah. uh, we come to understand that this is the punishment for murder. This is such a fun science fiction idea. And we've seen versions of this before, right? Most notably mm-hmm. with Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. And his many punishments. Right. But the idea that this is something that just comes up in your day every 14 hours, you got to relive the last moments of your victim's life every 14 hours. The idea is really interesting, but they don't get in the minutia of the mechanics too far like i want to know is it exactly at the same time do you have to be awake for it if you're asleep does it wake you up yeah i got a bunch of questions i want to know all that yeah and and like he seems to like experience some of the pain Mm -hmm. of being killed yeah the the phantom pain i mean like if he was walking around would he fall over from the pain i don't know he always seems to be lying down when this thing takes him over we've seen starfleets go back to work with more damage than this, you know? Like, I'd love <laughs> yeah. to see him work a couple of shifts at the con, you know, yeah. just momentarily taken with his punishment. I love the idea of, like, what if they could never t- get this out of his brain, and so they just have to, like, plan his shifts around it? Like, listen, uh, we're going to be doing some pretty delicate flying through a meteor uh, field uh, for the Time next... Time to tap uh, out Tom Ferris. <laughs> yeah, let's make sure that a guy that isn't going to be uh, in a fugue state for three minutes... Every 14 hours. Uh, isn't at the con for that. Ensign Kim, uh, it's awesome the Delaney sisters have agreed to go out on a double date with us. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's during the time for me. <laughs> You're going to have Harry, to cover. You're going to have to cover for me. <laughs> <laughs> the enchiladas are really not agreeing with Tom Paris. You'll have to forgive him. <laughs> Um, I would totally turn it into a food poisoning situation in public. Like, if if I were being seized by by this, food poisoning every time. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a, a teleplay by Evan Carlos Summers and Michael Piller, but a lot of people don't know that um, they actually got the story from Charlie Brooker from um, Black Mirror. And one of his early television writing gigs was, uh, was coming up with the premise of this episode. Now I'm remembering this bit... <laughs> it's been a while (laughs) we come back from our uh our title sequence and uh we're in six bay with kess and the emh and they're having kind of a conversation about the metaphysics of the emh as it pertains to his selection of a name pick a name you like perhaps from someone who inspires you I just want a name i want it so we can cut glass you know like razor sharp you know like can can he like engage in creativity can he want things can he blast <laughs> kes wants to know the answers to all of these questions <laughs> It's funny, like, the doctor is so put upon by just about everyone. Kes is the only person he's let into his life. And if I were the doctor, I'd be so tired of this. Being just put on the spot with all these questions about my life and my place in the universe. It's a scene where she's trying to, like, encourage him, saying, like, don't self-limit. Like, I know that you, like, believe that your programming is the is the sum total of who you are, but maybe you can 
come up with a name for yourself and like he you know cites some some doctors that inspire him and stuff how much did you want him to pick spock as his doctor name i wanted that so bad <laughs> that would have been great he would have broken star trek internet if he did um i love the idea of the showrunners just trolling the fan community in that way <laughs> i would have loved uh, it so much he also tosses out Dr. Galen, which is like Picard's archaeology professor, right? Right. Which would have been a weird choice as a physician. Like, I'm really inspired by the archaeology of Dr. Galen. Who was the doctor that Beverly Crusher had on board when her entire universe shrank to the size of mm. a... Was it Dr. Quince? Dr. Dalen Quace. Uh, you mean that doctor that doesn't fucking exist, Adam? Yeah. I did read something kind of interesting about... Uh, Kess, we talked uh, in a recent episode about how they kind of changed up the look of her hair and made it a little bit more Vulcan mm -hmm. reading. And they shot some of these episodes out of order. This is an episode directed by LeVar Burton, and this was a period in LeVar Burton's career where he had kind of refused to give up the character of Jordy. So he directed all this stuff with the visor on. And when he came in and saw the loaf that they were putting Kess in, he just assumed she was Vulcan. And he said, the hair is wrong. You got to fix it. Right. Right. Because he was directing with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't totally obscure, you know, his sight, but it, it makes it pretty hard for him to, to see what's going on. Right. Bullshit, man. Around the time that Cass changed her hair was the moment that Rick Berman became less attracted with her and was already scheming to cast Jerry Ryan on the show. <laughs> these are interesting facts. I know. You know. A lot of people don't know these things. This meeting is interrupted because uh, we got a damaged shuttle incoming and aboard is either Kim or Paris. There's one life sign on there. There's like a quantum superposition of a shuttle with both Kim and Paris in it. Tuvok sets the sensors for bragging about a sexual conquest, and they don't find anything. So that's how they know it's Kim on board, and not Tom Paris. Harry Kim wakes up on a bio bed and starts explaining this situation to the captain. He was made to leave this planet that he was on without Tom Paris, and... Uh, He's, like, dehydrated. He's really fucked up. And uh, all he knows is that Tom Paris was accused of murder. I can understand the episode's reasons for telling the story with the way it does. Like, this is a, this is a flashback episode. This is a yeah. Agatha Christie mystery of an episode. But you can't tell me that the emotional feeling of going on an away mission the way Kim and Paris did, and leaving it by yourself yeah. with a fallen person behind doesn't hit fucking hard. Yeah, man. I would have loved to have been there when Kim is put back on the shuttle and he's got to leave a guy behind. That's some, like, knowing that there's a Marine still in the field shit. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I do kind of like the in-media raceness of this episode. Like, so much has already happened, and it's, to some extent, like a Rashomon thing where people are describing past events periodically throughout the episode and, and conflicting versions of past events. But You're um, such a fan of in-media race as a technique that, that you've been known as a in-media racist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's an ex-post fact for you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is for all the flashbacks we get, that could have been one. Yeah, absolutely. We finally meet these Benians via flashback, yeah. Ben. Right. They had some kind of broken part on their starship, and they thought these people could help. So they went down to this planet and uh, found a, a real Roddenberry trope uh, on the surface of this planet. An yeah. old, grumpy man scientist with a very pretty young wife. It's kind of an homage to TNG here. Yeah, very undersexed wife who hates her older man husband. Like, that's another quality to this relationship, right? Yeah. Kind of a new spin on an old favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quality resentment stuff happening here. We got to talk about these Benians, man. Yeah. And the choice of of loaf. This is a Chiquita... Benian headdress situation, I think. (laughs) There's a lot going on here, and I'm not sure if much of it is working. Adam is coming for that title. Is this a part of their loaf, or is this a headdress situation? Because it seems like on certain Benians, it may look like it's part of them, but on others, it it definitely looks like it's something that they're wearing. Yeah, I think that that they are a partially feathered people. I think that... um, Mm. They, like their their eyebrows and stuff made out of those feathers and then the feathers surrounding their heads implied to me that this is part of the I don't know it's weird that they have like hair and feathers yeah. I feel like they should have gone one or the other one thing about feathers and birds is that many people in the scientific community believe that modern birds came from ancient dinosaurs evolutionarily right interesting uh, <laughs> is that some of your research Adam? yeah I don't feel bad about forgetting my homework. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> so this this quest to get a replacement part turns into a dinner invitation at this guy's house. And this fucking guy, I hated him immediately because he's like, you know what? Uh, this is too much work to do in a single work day, but you know what my wife loves? Surprise dinner guests. Yeah. And this is what made me side with his wife from the beginning. This guy fucking sucks. There's no one who enjoys a surprise double dinner guest situation. As the people in our households who do most of the cooking, this definitely like hit me in a real way. Like, yeah. she is so fucking lucky she was doing stew, right? Because she can like dump some extra shit into it and yep. and you know step on it. Like she can put some baby <laughs> laxative in the stew and and there will be enough to go around. If we hadn't gone with him that night, none of this would have happened. When they meet the wife, she clearly needs a drink, and who wouldn't in that circumstance? But the question, Ben, is huge. What do you do with an alien liquor cabinet when you're offered a drink and a new place as a visitor? I thought she opens it and is so like, much "Help yourselves." This. Yeah, and I was like, "I would, I would want to help myself, but I'm also going to try everything because I don't know what I like and don't like." You'd be the worst in this situation. You'd be fucking smashed before baby laxative <laughs> dinner even hit the table. <laughs> And then you'd be smashed and on baby laxative. Yeah, a diuretic and a laxative at the same time is not the kind of crossfaded I want to be on a brand new planet in a first contact situation. (laughs) It's a hell of a combination. Hey, you know what? There is something at the shuttle that I need to go back for. Uh, (laughs) I will be 30 to 40 minutes. I, I know it's parked right outside, but I really... I really need to search for this part. Adam, I'm looking at uh, Memory Alpha here. Uh, Interesting fact about the feather 
headdresses that they have the actors in here. Michael Westmore, the makeup designer that came up with this look, was caught importing rare birds to pluck to make these characters, and he was arrested, and he's still in jail. Wow. Yeah. Ironically, he's in Pelican Bay, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> That was perfect. That's the perfect joke. <laughs> uh, this is dumb. I don't know if you've ever had a friend in prison, Ben, but the thing you want to do is you want to add credits to their account. You want to put your real money in there yeah. so that they could exchange that money for cans of tuna fish yeah. or, uh, or ramen noodles or what have you. So I would recommend to our friends of DeSoto out there, find Michael Westmore at Pelican yeah. Bay Prison. Yeah. And uh, make sure that he's rich in tuna fish cans. Poor guy. You know what? His his crime, I would argue, is this creature design. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the rare bird thing. <laughs> this is what he should be in prison for. We get a couple of uh, interesting moments. Liddell, the wife character, like walks away while they're checking out the bar, or I guess Kim's checking out the bar. Paris is checking out her butt. Um, but she comes back and like throws some meat on the floor and their yappy little dog scarfs it up and she says, If it's spoiled, Nika wouldn't eat it. There's a, a, a brief dinner scene where Tolan, her husband, explains that he's a real workaholic. And uh, they talk a little bit about this war that their society is at with a species called the Numeri. And then she just gets up and excuses herself from the table. And her excuse is, the meat doesn't taste right. And this is another thing that in a first contact situation would really freaked me out. Like my host just fed me something and then left the table because she thinks it's spoiled. I think once again, I would excuse myself to go to the shuttle parked outside to use yeah. the shuttle bathroom. Even though, Ben, <laughs> you and I know that the shuttles are for number ones and not number twos. I think in this instance, you can make an exception. I would hope so. And I might even like hit my own button and try and get it out of my stomach before it did more damage. Well, we do have a lot of work to get done. So uh, we're back on the Voyager in Six Bay, and Harry Kim is talking to Tuvok and the captain about whether he thinks Paris could have done this murder that he's been uh, accused of, and... He's still really fucked up from being interrogated. He's dehydrated. I think he says he was interrogated for two days straight. And there's some, like, concern with this war with the Numeri that maybe uh, Tolan was uh, killed because he is the designer of the, like, war ships that the Beneans use against the Numeri. Right. That should raise your suspicions at this point. Though I will admit, when I watched this episode, uh, I was not suspicious at this point. I was curious. Yeah, the way the murder related to the war remained uh, yeah. a surprise. Like that was a surprise, and it came out at the right moment in this episode. I thought that the the whodunitness of this episode was really well executed. I like Janeway's strategy of leaving the Voyager out of it before she dispatched the shuttle, because the idea of her ship being in orbit around this planet would project the idea of a side in this conflict that she didn't want to be a part of. Yeah. It's so interesting that Voyager is kind of Switzerland in the Delta Quadrant. Like, they don't want to get involved in anybody's shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, they'll take your melted Numeri war gold, right? They'll put the ship inside any hole that they find, but what they won't do is <laughs> orbit your planet. No. But she decides that that passivity is a luxury they can no longer afford. She's not going to leave Tom Paris high and dry on this planet. So she decides that they're going to go in, and she calls Neelix to her ready room to kind of brief her on this situation. This is a weird scene because Neelix died a couple episodes ago after his lungs were replaced with (laughs) hollow lungs. And uh, it's weird. Like, who is Janeway talking to? (laughs) Janeway's talking to the memory of Neelix. Yeah. Sad. She just remembers him so vividly. Yeah. So vividly that he's like laughing about the international incident that they're probably about to start. Fucking Neelix, man. So a Numeri vessel approaches and its captain looks like a catcher's mitt. (laughs) I thought he kind of looked like a crustacean. I am Captain Catherine Janeway of the Federation Starship Voyager. It's me, Zoidberg, act naturally. And I thought it was very interesting because... One thing Neelix says is that the Numeri and the Beneans evolved on the same planet. They used to inhabit the same world together, and now they don't and are at war with each other. But what kind of planet gives rise to a bird people and a crustacean people? The Numeri, to me, uh, look like post-gastric bypass surgery, the thing from Fantastic Four. <laughs> You know, like the the proportions just seem a little bit off. You're not used to seeing mm-hmm. that size head on that size body. It's no longer clobbering time, they say. It's sensible portions time. <laughs> Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Neelix begins a thing that he continues throughout the rest of the episode, which just fucking irritates the hell out of me. He's like uh, Matt Frewer's character from A Matter of Time. He's saying things that happen after they happen in a, like, I knew this would happen kind of way. (laughs) Fuck off, man. Yeah, you're not helping, Neelix. No. Yeah, like, until there is an episode where he really proves his utility... Which seems like they would have done by now, yeah. you know? Like, it seems like they would have, like, well, this guy's like a, a scamp and a bit of a dope, but he actually does, like, come up with the goods, like, three times out of five or whatever. Hey, Neelix, try not to get your lungs removed talking to the uh, Numeri. I wonder if they're just worried about him being, like, a deus ex Neelix. Mm. Like, if he can always solve their problem or give them some context, it will make the drama less interesting. Yeah. Anyway, this interaction is pretty low-key. Yeah. They're they're like, this is a war zone, so enter at your own risk, but also be excellent to each other or whatever. Don't start a clobber, won't be a clobber. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and off they go. They head to Bania, I guess we're assuming the planet is called. Yeah. And uh, there, Janeway is part of a two-person Dustbuster club along with Tuvok that... Meets with the Minister of Weird Punishments. It's unfortunate we must meet under these circumstances. He seems to really relish the explanation of the tech to them as he describes the crime itself. Like, he's like, you guys are going to love this. What's yeah. it going to take for me to put you into the memories of someone who was <laughs> murdered today? 
I mean, if you were visited by some Starfleets and were like, I have a technology that is more advanced than what they have, you wouldn't show you be yeah. excited about being like, hey, look, at, get a load of this? Especially if I looked like him, I would yeah. want to overcompensate for the feathers. I know that I am a bird person that may give you the uh, reasonable uh, assumption that I am an unsophisticated rube, but in fact, I am able to edit memories into people's heads. I like to wear a knit cap usually when I meet alien species, so they take me seriously as a scientist. (laughs) What if he'd done that if at some point he'd taken his hat off and they were like, whoa, what's with the feathers? (laughs) Tuvok is allergic to down. (laughs) Those, uh, Those Vulcan sneezes are powerful, man. Yeah. So... Later on, they bring in Paris. They wobble him into the room, and then uh, he starts telling his version of the story. And Janeway's like, did you fuck that guy's wife? And he's like, they were on a break. (laughs) We get another one of these flashbacks, and now this is the Tom Paris, like, got bored when Harry and the crusty old man scientists were working together after work, and he, like, finds Liddell smoking on her patio, and... This is some really tawdry banter, like some some straight out of a bodice ripper, kind of like, you know, those things will kill you. Yeah, it's it's weird as hell that it's like a Chesterfield cigarette. An alien cigarette should be like smoked through the nostril or something like it should be alien. And there's not enough alien about this. Yeah, we don't get a terribly good look at the cigarette, but I, I read that this is another prop that was kind of something that. LeVar Burton signed off on not having really gotten a great look at it because, of course, he was wearing the visor the entire time. Right. The quality of a film noir femme fatale is this woman in every way. Like, she checks all the boxes. And one of the main qualities of that type of femme fatale is, like, the I'm content in my relationship, but I'm also frustrated. If only there were someone around to extricate me... (laughs) From a situation that I, if I put any effort in at all, could extricate myself from on my own. Right. Like, this is the honey trap, right? Yeah. And Paris is not a sophisticated reader of the uh, the noir genre, so he falls for it pretty hard. So um, he goes into one of his fugue states, like, while relating this story back to the captain and Tuvok, and we get to see how how bad this is and it and it's really traumatic like it's a a thing that like causes him to pass out like they, yeah. they have to like call medics and they're like what the hell is this i thought you said that he was just gonna relive it and they're like well uh, he does have a totally different kind of brain from us so i guess it's just not working properly <laughs> we noticed that he didn't have any feathers on his head or face uh, but we still did the implantation anyway, just to see what would happen. They want to take him back to the ship, and uh, Minister Cray is like, no fucking way, we're, we're going to keep him down here and make sure he stays punished. We don't want you, like, taking the software out. Right. And the local doctor character is like, well, you know, I actually didn't really know what I was doing when I was monkeying around in there, so... It might actually be good if somebody that uh, has a basic understanding of his anatomy were to take a look at him. I don't have the sort of doctor's vanity that would be against a second opinion, so yeah, go ahead. 
Can they beam the doctor from Voyager to other places? Like, I bet they can't do that, huh? They'd have to set no. up a bunch of those transporter pylons or whatever. They can't even take him out of Six Bay on the ship, so... That sucks. Yeah. And he's just trapped there with Cass. Yeah, it's like he's on quarantine the entire time. He's less concerned about naming himself and more about holographic euthanasia. Yeah, there is a conversation about, like, what's going on with his brain, and this... Does seem to be a a process that is going to scramble his egg more and more. Yeah. And Tuvok is like, Doctor, I need to see like the detailed report of your brain scan. And the EMH is like, You're not going to understand his chart, cop. <laughs> and Tuvok uh, turns to camera and is like, I don't think you understand. This is my episode for character development. <laughs> So he, he wants to, like, interview Paris with the lie detector that they have on board the Voyager. But Paris is out cold at the moment, so he's going to head back to the surface and conduct a little bit of his own investigation, see if they can't uh, clear Tom Paris's name. When he meets up with Mrs. Wren at her home, he seems surprised that she still lives there because that's the place of the murder. And she's like, yeah, I called Coit. They came and really did a number on that part of the carpet. Yeah. And that'd actually be wet. Could you just walk around the side? I think this is a, a really great example of creative uh, screenwriting because in the Black Mirror guy's original treatment for this, she's moved to a, a different place mm-hmm. and she's got a big settlement. So she's living in the lap of luxury and uh, they just didn't really have the budget for it. So uh, Evan Car- Carlos Summers and Michael Piller found a way to kind of make it a part of the story. That's great. It's really nice. They throw this line away, but I picked it up. Tuvok is married, and he's been married a long time. For 67 years. Yeah. Tuvok has a she who is his wife. Yeah. It would have been great to get that description. I know. (laughs) She who is my wife is over 70,000 light years from here. Mrs. Wren tells her story in flashback form, and we see the moments leading up to the murder, according to her. Nothing like a sexy rainstorm to kick an affair off, right? The rainstorm really floods her basement, and (laughs) Paris does yeoman's work in in resisting her advances, but just, just can't. They end up having some smooches outside, and then they pivot to tea. Yeah, he's like... I really want to, but I'm worried that it will affect my friendship with Harry. Like, I don't want a woman to come between us, you know? Like, we've we've been buddies for a really long time, like seven, eight episodes now. There's nothing sexy about tea, so Paris thinks this is a pretty safe thing to take her up on, right? Yeah. She invites him in for tea, and tea means sex, right? (laughs) Tea is not tea. Tea is sex. Yeah, but but he didn't realize that, so he's, like, driving home, and he slaps himself in the forehead. People, this stupid shouldn't be allowed to live. (laughs) What an idiot. Chakotay radios Tuvok during this scene because Paris has woken up, so he's got to get out of there. But on his way out, Mrs. Wren is like, hey, make sure you tell Paris that I've forgiven him for murdering my husband in that spot you're standing in. And Tuvok, like, lifts up his foot, and there's, like, a... Yeah, gore a, on a, the bottom of his shoe. There's a squish. See, what happened is they didn't like press down with the rag hard enough to really get the blood yeah. out of the... Uh, see, it's not... 
when you carpet a room, it's not just the carpet. It's the... Uh, it's there's the pad underneath. The pad, and then there's the membrane. Today on this old house, we're ripping up an old carpet, and uh, we found something very interesting under this particular carpet, because this is the evidence of a vicious crime. These are very prodigious bloodstains. <laughs> Obviously, the assailant knew exactly where to stab this particular Benin. You can see the blood droplet splatter all over the ceiling and the wall, in addition to the pooling down below. This is a special episode of The Staircase where we find out that the owl feathers found at the crime scene are not, in fact, from an owl, but from the assailant himself. I really like The Staircase. That was a fun duck. Yeah. i got to get that platinum, get that roll, you might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So Paris gets interviewed in Six Bay under the kind of medical grade lie detector, right? Like he's... He's telling about his experience, and he's like, yeah, we went back and had the tea, but that's the last thing I remember. Like, the part where I then turned around and stabbed somebody is not something that I can recall doing. And the EMH is like, well, he ain't lying, so something is up. And Chuvak has really started to figure this out because uh, he does not seem worried at all when the ship starts getting bangers dropped on it. And uh, Neelix knew this would happen. Although I take no pleasure in being right, mind you. Thanks a lot, Neelix. (laughs) Chakotay gets the the ever-so-briefest of scene to offer an ancient Maquis secret to uh, (laughs) getting the jump on their pursuers. And this was an interesting bit of trivia that I read about. Roxana Dawson has talked about this being the only line that she had in this episode. Oh, interesting. And she didn't bother to practice it before arriving on set that day. (laughs) And because this was very early on in the production of Voyager, they had some press around. Like some people were shooting coverage of the show behind the scenes. It's a LeVar Burton episode. So like everyone loves the LeVar Burton. Let's... Let's involve him. And Roxanne Dawson could not get her line right. She was just (laughs) eating shit over and over and over on her one line here. She was trying the Kelsey Grammer school of acting, but wasn't bringing the funk the way Kelsey Grammer always did. Yeah, and I guess this is the trivia about her. It's like it's the one line of dialogue she's never forgotten from Star Trek Voyager was this line. Wow. Kind of wild, huh? I love that. I guess Chakotay has kind of like taken over as the pilot in Tom's stead. It was weird as hell to see him up there. Yeah. And like he he is up there and like Neelix is where Chakotay might normally sit. Yeah. You got to get that guy off the bridge though. What the yeah, fuck? Kick that motherfucker out of there. <laughs> he is not helping. Are we sure he doesn't stink? Like that was one of the main things about Neelix. I'm sure that he does stink. But uh, anyways, this make trick works. I mean, they've talked about how the uh, the Numiri are <laughs> put, like basically an equal match, but these two ships don't uh, succeed against the fancy tricks that the Voyager pulls, and they're taken off the board, and Voyager returns to orbit to, to finish its business. That reframes the Tom Paris situation as the main story for the rest of the episode. And it is here that Tuvok has proposed a mind meld. Yeah. And this is a, an idea that is met with some confusion from Neelix. A mind what? And some real concern from the doctor. If these cycles cause damage to a human brain, there's no telling what the risk might be to a Vulcan. When Tuvok steps to the rear 
of Paris's biobed and applies the hands upside down to his face. Yeah. I so wanted something fucked up to happen there. Like <laughs> a European mind meld means that like maybe there's a reverse transference of the mind. <laughs> do you think they call this a 69 meld? Yes, I think they do. I believe the risk is acceptable. So Tuvok experiences the thing that Tom has been seeing. <laughs> In the meld, it's just all rope shots with the Delaney sisters. <laughs> <laughs> he has to he has to get through hours and hours of rope shots before yeah. getting to the question at hand. My mind to your mind, your thoughts to my thoughts, your ropes to my ropes. So we get the whole thing again. We get to watch the entire murder sequence one more time. And it's tough for Tom Paris, and it seems like it's really going badly for Tuvok mm-hmm. uh, when they cut back to the ECU of his eye, right? Like, I was, like, really worried in this moment that Tuvok was going to find himself in dire straits here. Yeah, like, like he may, upon withdrawing his hands, become, like, some sort of half-Tuvok, half-Paris monster. And then what do you do with that kind of creature? Yeah. <laughs> you got to kill it. You probably have you to put it out of its misery, it. right? Yeah. I mean, it gets what it deserves, right? Yeah. There's no place for that aboard the ship. (laughs) So the first thing Tuvok says when he wakes up is that uh, he wants to look at the research that uh, Ensign Kim brought home. And uh, he thinks he's cracked it. He he tells the captain, like, I think I know why... Tom Paris was falsely accused of this crime. I must consult with Ensign Kim immediately. I really liked the FaceTime with uh, the captain and like the the like Minister Cray and the doctor guy back mm-hmm. down on the planet going like, hey, uh, so our our guy is really deteriorating here and they're they're like, hey, we're we'll take the implants out. We wanted to punish him, but we didn't want to like kill him or torture him. And this is clearly not working correctly, so We'll find something else. And Janeway's like, no, no, no. You're not going to find something else because it won't be necessary. He didn't commit the crime, and we're going to come down there and prove that. Most people on our planet uh, regret going too small with the implants. They they mm. normally don't want them removed completely. Yeah. Their culture is really cruel in some ways. Like, it really enforces a an expectation that people have, like, a lot of feathers on their heads. Yeah, you really want to stuff those feathers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When this FaceTime is over, Tuvok enters the frame with a knowing glance. Yeah. This is like... Because there's more Numiri coming to to fuck him up, right? So what they do is they send Kim and Paris back out on another bunk bed, and they basically become bait, right? Like the Numiri tracked them and pulled them in, and it's clear that they're like there to grab Paris and... Uh, Harry and, and Tom get beamed out just at the nick of time. And then the captain gets on FaceTime with the new Mary and explain what's happening. And there's a really badass shot of Janeway, like standing up into the FaceTime yeah. to explain to the new Mary that they have tractored in a shuttle that is full of explosives and she's going to blow it and their ship unless they hightail it out of there. The shuttle as a car bomb is a technique that is used so rarely in Star Trek, and it seems like if I were writing the show, would be every third episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. If I, I were captain shot. of a Federation starship, I would be losing shuttles all the time. Yeah. Tractor it into your cargo base. See what happens. Yeah. 
pretty valuable stuff on there. If you scan it, you'll note its density. She's going to blow these crustaceans' shells apart. So we're saving these shells, too, by the way, to create a stock. So with that threat neutralized, they change priorities back to the Paris situation, which is Tuvok's job. And up to this point, completely secret from the viewer, really. Like, we've received implied information from him. Clearly he's read the captain into some of it, right? What we need is that centerpiece scene where we gather all of our main characters and we go over the trial. Like, this is what Matlock was all about. How does it feel to make a fool of yourself, Mr. Matlock? Lousy! You get all your players together and then you finger the true criminal in front of everyone. And Harry Kim gets so excited about that idea. So they go to the crime scene to do this. Tuvok's like, uh, call everyone together. I got something to tell them. Everyone that's got uh, some skin in the game here. Yeah. I'm talking the minister. I'm talking the doctor. I'm talking Liddell. I'm talking Tom. Not talking Harry. Oh, no. Harry's there. Yeah. I'm going to stand in the wet spot, and then (laughs) I'm going to start presenting my case. Yeah. So he, uh, Hercule Poirot's it and explains basically that the, the doctor, the Benian doctor, is a traitor. We know this because in the memory engram that Tom is experiencing, the, the man that Liddell is making out with is about her height and the doctor is short. We know that the dog would be friendly with the perpetrator because mm-hmm. the dog hates strangers. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the dog like loves him when he's brought in is also, I guess, uh, I mean, like it makes me think that the doctor is not that bad, but uh, it's, it's seen as like evidence that is <laughs> good enough to convict this guy or at least exonerate Paris. Right. This doctor doesn't take the news well. No, he was he was given secrets to the Namiri. Yeah, it's kind of a fun sci-fi conceit that the memory of this doctor was hijacked in order to send weapons data to the Namiri. Yeah. And and we know this because like there were symbols at the bottom of the replay of the murder. And up until yeah. this moment, they just looked like something that should be there from the start. But that's not a thing. That's not a thing that's a part of this punishment. I like that part where... Tuvok was like, Lieutenant Paris, when you experienced the memory, did you notice all of the information in the lower third of the frame? The safe area for type, (laughs) if you will. (laughs) So Paris is exonerated. The doctor is convicted. Yeah. Seems like a very, like, casual court hearing, but who knows how it goes on Bonilla Prime. No one talks about removing the implant from Tom Paris, though. So, for all we know, every 14 hours, yeah, he's going to be getting it. The button on the episode is a little hang between Paris and Tuvok in the converted captain's dining room, where um, Paris is like, hey, man, like, solid move. I know that you based my defense on the eyewitness identification of a dog. Leaving out the fact that also Tuvok counted on the Benians believing him when he said that, like, his species has the ability to mind meld. Right. I felt the same way. Like, you have to, for some reason, trust Tuvok as a stranger here. They're dispassionate people. They're very trustworthy. So, basically, Paris leaves Tuvok with a, you've got a friend in me line, and uh, Tuvok, like, barfs into his dinner 
And uh, that's that's when we go to credits. Yeah, this is security business, not security friend, according to Tuvok. <laughs> All he needs is the truth and a book. Those are his only companions in the mess hall. That's all he needs. Yeah. I'd say eat in your quarters then, Tuvok. Don't take up an entire four top in the corner of the dining room when you're not there to socialize with people. Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. My problem with this episode was that it wasn't alien enough from the very familiar noir aspect of it. Like, like I like that. I like the black and white. I like the story told in flashback. All that stuff is cool. It would have been cooler if these aliens were more alien. Like, why do we have a dog that looks like a chihuahua? Why do we have aliens that just have feathers on their head? Why are they smoking yeah. real cigarettes? Fun to do bad things. <laughs> these are all familiar <laughs> concepts, Ben. Too familiar. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, too familiar is my criticism of an alien story. It should feel more alien to me. What about you, Ben? I mean, I agree with some of that stuff. Like... Imagine Kim and Paris going down there, trying the tiniest sip of liquor, and it just fucking wrecks them. Like, they, yeah, are, they are rocking on the floor. <laughs> it's Barton Millhouse after getting the 32-ounce squishy. Yeah. I mean, there's room for that in this episode. I think that this show is capable of that kind of world building, and I don't know what stops them in an episode like this, but for that knock i i don't mind it as an episode i thought it was like a really fun mystery and i thought that the order of operations was really well done it's got some of that rashomon stuff but it doesn't feel like obnoxious like retelling the same parts of the story over and over again yeah and it's like a really interesting twist on a star trek idea of implanting a punishment in somebody's brain like turning your own mind against you as punishment and the twists and turns always surprised me, you know? I didn't see them coming, but I felt like they were really well justified in retrospect. And that's hard to do. So I'd say on balance, I thought this was a solid one. Hmm. Well, there you go. Can I interest you in a selection of Priority One messages, Ben? Oh, I would love to read some P1s, buddy. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is from your god emperor. <laughs> like Xerxes? Yeah. And it is to Amy, Henry, and Roxy. The message goes like this. Greetings from your god emperor of Charterstone. The Eternal City thanks you for your life essences so we can live forever, which is pretty rad, TBH. Since you're now just floating in corporeal forms, we wanted to make sure the message got to you in a place we know you'd hear it. Thus ends the most gratuitous victory dunking on we could think of. I, uh, I like that the God Emperor here capitalizes the word we every mm -hmm. time. It's mm -hmm. like the royal we. That's the, fun. Uh, that's some, that's some intense shit. I wonder what Amy, Henry, and Roxy did to get dunked on like that. That's savage. Charterstone looks like a board game to me, so maybe, oh. uh, maybe they've been having some tabletop 
hangs and uh yeah and lost royally from the sounds of it well the royal winner gets to capitalize their their pronouns i guess so it's true that's that's really gotta hurt amy henry and roxy sorry to hear it but um congratulations god emperor i suppose our next priority one message is from william taylor Layamaka cox it's to eric roman bining goes like this roman i love you much I know Adam and Ben are the A story and B story of your love life, but since you're both married and outside our COVID warp bubble, I hope you'll marry me as wow. a C story that is surprisingly compelling. Let's be each other's drunk shimodai till we RSVP. Let's be voyagers together, even if it takes 70 years just to save the Okampa. Wow! Is this a real proposal of marriage? If this is a real marriage proposal, this might be one of the very few that we've ever had. So I'm reading here, this was, this was meant to go against the pilot episode of Voyager, which makes me think it was, in fact, intended as a, as a proposal. William Taylor Liamaka Cox must be freaking out right now that we're at <laughs> episode seven and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I'm freaking out because I'm looking at our calendar here and we're like booked up for a long time. So it may be a long time before we get an answer. Wow. Well, congratulations, you two. Hopefully our Priority One calendar didn't blow this for you. Yeah, this is this is the second time I've read a marriage proposal on this show. You're always the, the first, one to do it. The first time being our live show in Atlanta yep. and realizing what I'm reading as I'm reading it is yeah. like a really intense thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big thrill. Um, but I really hope that this goes, and I wish a really happy future for the couple. William and Eric, congratulations, I hope. I hope. Wow. Well, if you would like a marriage proposal read by me or Ben on the show a couple of weeks after you had intended it, <laughs> you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where uh, marriage proposals and commercial messages go a long way towards supporting the production of our show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Obviously Tom Paris. Mm. He got to fool around with an alien lady, and outside of a couple of headaches, no permanent repercussions. Yeah. Did have a lot of fun down there. <laughs> really got into it. Having a lot of fun down there is pretty much Tom Paris's whole deal. <laughs> He's what? into making first contact. He's into making second contact. I don't make as much contact as you would enjoy. He wants to make sure that you make first contact before he does. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally. What about you, Ben? Yeah. Well, I think you're correct, technically. I'm going to have to give the drunk Shimoda on this episode to myself. I feel like a complete fucking idiot for forgetting to do my homework. It's your thing now. It's fine. I got a lot on my mind lately, okay? You're doing the best you can. I'm sorry to the listeners. The last time we did a pure research episode, people fucking hated that episode. So I think we gave the haters what they wanted. Maybe subconsciously I was like afraid of the haters. The haters suck. Fuck them. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Well, uh, if they hated this episode, I can't imagine how they'll feel about the next one, Ben. Uh, why don't you tell us what episode we're going to be watching and recapping next while I take it over to the Game of Buttholes. Will of the Caretaker. 
The next episode is season one, episode eight, Emanations. Kim confronts life and death issues when he's held against his will. By an alien race? Emanations, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Huh? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Ben, we're currently on square 78, the nth degree episode square. Oof, a couple eps ahead, we get a we get a Cotton the Nebula episode, which, uh, if you loved this one, this one's really <laughs> gonna flood your basement if we land on that square. <laughs> Got the die in my hand, I'm gonna give it a roll. Let's see what happens. I rolled a two. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. We're on square 80. Ben, it's a regular old episode for us. Into it. Me too. That's one I can prepare for with relative ease. Yeah, the same amount of unpreparedness will be that episode for you. (laughs) You're already ready for it. Yeah, all I have to do is watch the episode. Well, I'm ready to end the show with some end credits. Uh, I have a couple of things to plug before we do credits. The first is I uh, did an episode of Movie Crush where we talked about the Hudsucker Proxy, one mm-hmm. of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's uh, available anywhere you download podcasts with our buddy Chuck Bryant. And also, I contributed a little bit of video to our buddy Adam Ragusea. Uh, my Caesar salad recipe was a real big hit, apparently, on a recent episode of this program. And Adam texted me and said, hey, why don't you film that? And I will put it in a video. And I think by the time this is out, that uh, That's incredible. Rest, that, that video should be, should be up. So um, I can't believe Adam listens to the show still. <laughs> I know. He's such a class act. And, and uh, you know, speaking of credits, let's get into it. Adam Ragusea, the maker of the Janeway song, the, the theme song for this program now. He also created the Cisco song back in the day and has created a ton of original music for this show. And uh, if you'd like to check out his cooking channel, just search Adam Ragusea on YouTube and uh, you will learn how to cook some delicious food. There's nothing that I make that is Ragusea worthy. I'll never be on that show. That is not true. I'm seething with envy right now. (laughs) All you got to do is shoot it. I don't have any of my camera gear. I sold it all. It's gone. I'll lend you the C300. You can shoot it. I'm gonna, I don't ever use it unless I'm shooting I'm something gonna, for Ragusea. I'm going to drop your C300 into a lasagna, and then you're going <laughs> to hate me forever after. Uh, if that's the way my camera gear departs my life, I think that's funny enough to be pretty satisfying. <laughs> you taste the lens, and you're like, is that Rayo's jarred pasta sauce? <laughs> this is how my camera died with a jarred pasta sauce? How dare you? What? <laughs> you dropped it into pancake mix? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> we also got to thank uh, our social media director, Bill Tilly, yeah. and uh, encourage you to follow all of our social media accounts. Uh, we're on Twitter at Greatest Track and on Instagram at Greatest Track and now on Twitch.tv yeah. slash Greatest Track. That's right. Uh, we really appreciate Bill's help and also uh, we should shout out Rob Schulte who produced the uh, the Twitch part of this episode today. Hey, thanks everyone for showing up for the Twitch. If you're hurt about missing out on our Twitches, we're very intentionally not giving anyone a lot of lead time to them. 
We're still feeling pretty burned about the first time we tried Twitch. Yeah, and, uh, we, we, and, we and did we, a bad job one time and it really embarrassed us, so... Yeah. I think that the ephemeral nature of the medium is something that is appealing to us at the moment. That right. if it if it's a fail, it doesn't live forever on the internet. I would so, say that that we are going to give greater lead time going forward as we yes. get more comfortable with the medium. So, like, don't feel like we're we're always gonna fuck you on going live <laughs> on Twitch. It's not how it's gonna yeah. be. All right, it's not always gonna uh, be a surprise. It's not always going to be a surprise, and we will get better at doing it also, so don't sweat it. And it's not that good anyway, so don't worry if you missed it. Yeah, we're, we're already fucking up to our elbows in Rob Schulte's ass on this multi-level marketing scheme that he's got us involved in. <laughs> if you'd like to support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. If you'd like to support the show in free ways, just recommend it to a friend. Yeah. Give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. And if you ask a question in your review, we might answer it on an upcoming episode. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. We should. We should do that. Yeah. We should. But uh, maybe next episode or two, we'll, we'll do a uh, Q&A. Oh. Don't threaten me with a alternately great and awful time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't, Adam. Uh, so <laughs> with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that is uh, putting another member of the Paris and Kim away team in another criminal justice situation. And if they're anything like me, it's because of emanations from their butt. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.